Hi, everyone, and welcome to podcast number five with Kelsey Mathis. We speak about working to create balance, panic attacks, which lead to finding meditation, all different styles of eating that led to Ayurveda, Vedic meditation, which is more of a passive meditation. We talk about our time with Maharishi Manesh and visiting his Beatles ashram manifestation and putting in your order with the universe quite profound practices to manifest and to call in what you most desire. We talk about Kelsey's experience hiking to the base camp of Mount Everest. We talk about creation and the nature of nature. It is all about kick-ass manifestation and to ask for it and claim it. Enjoy. Wise Woman Podcast number five, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppelt, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I am super pumped about today's guest. We have Kelsey Mathis. She is a Vedic meditation teacher, life coach, and holistic nutritionist, now based in Chicago and working internationally to help clients bring balance into their lives. Hi, Kelsey. So happy to be with you. You too, Erin. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. So tell us, how did you create CAM Meditation? Yeah. So um, CAM Meditation came out of a long journey through not only my own health and wellness and really coming into balance with that, but then working with some of the top companies in New York in holistic nutrition and meditation and really learning from my mentors who are these very powerful women at the top of their game in New York. And after some time learning with them, I decided it was time to break off and do my own thing and really explore my own voice in that world. Um, And I ended up through a series of fortunate circumstances, ending up in Chicago and founding Cam Meditation. Fabulous. So it sounds like a journey. What happened in New York that led you to work with all of these master educators? You know, I uh, was going through my health journey. I started meditating because I had been having panic attacks in my mid-20s. And I found my teacher, um, Emily Fletcher, who is the founder of Ziva Meditation out in New York. And I learned to meditate. I knew I wanted to teach that pretty much right away, but I didn't feel experienced enough in life. So um, I was meditating. I was exploring uh, options as to how to get out of the bar and restaurant industry, which is where I was primarily working um, and also working as an artist in New York as an actor. So through, you know, you go through the, like, do I want to be a yoga teacher? Do I want to be a Pilates instructor? Do I want to do this? Do I want that? And um, while I was on that exploration journey, I guess, uh, I, I realized that I was changing my food. By that time, I had gone through macrobiotics, paleo, um, a couple of different styles of eating. And I liked a lot of them for different reasons, but I didn't love any of them in totality. So I was like, you know what? I've got friends coming to me now asking for food advice. 
So let me go get my holistic nutrition certification. So I did that uh, with the Academy of Healing Nutrition in New York. And one of their graduates, actually, Nikki Osterhauer, who runs now nutrition, she was looking to bring on her first employee. She was getting so many clients. She didn't have time. And she wanted to have a baby. And so she brought me on um, as her first employee. It was like a crash course in treating people with um, major, you know, uh, autoimmune diseases, eating disorders. Uh, that was the specialty in that practice. So I worked with her and she was my mentor um, while I was there and still to this day supports everything I do, which is so amazing of her. Um, and while I was in that, Emily approached me and said, hey, do you want to be a teacher? I'm teaching teachers uh, to do meditation um, the, in the Vedic style. It's going to be 15 months. And I was like, all right, I'm in. So it was just like right place, right time, women wanting to support me um, in, in really jumpstarting my education. I feel like because I was in these two top companies for so long that, uh, and I still have relationships with those companies that I was really given the opportunity to grow very quickly as a teacher and as a coach. So it was cool. I love the Vedic style of meditation. I know Kelsey and I, we talk about this a lot offline. I teach a very active meditation practice, movement, heavy breath work. And Kelsey really does a very slow, more passive practice of meditation. Can you tell us more about the Vedic style? Sure. Uh, Vedic meditation is a silent mantra-based practice. And mantra means mind vehicle in Sanskrit. So man is mind, tra is vehicle. And what these mantras do, they are essentially primordial sounds. They have no intended meaning, but what they do is they become kind of like the most beautiful music that the mind can hear. So when you think it silently, it leads the mind into subtler states of thought and at times there's suspension of thought. So unfortunately, because we aren't having thoughts while we're suspended in thought, we never know we're there. <laughs> we only know we were there before <laughs> once we're out of it. Um, but it just tends to feel like a speeding up of time or like a sleepy kind of falling asleep sense during the meditation. And what that does is it allows the body to get some deep, deep rest because we're still in a state of consciousness. We're in a transcendent state, but our body is therefore able to rest roughly two to five times deeper than sleep. And through that rest begins to heal itself from an accumulation of stress. So I think of this style of meditation as a foundation practice that other styles of meditation that are in the more conscious mind can more easily build on top of. It sets a very strong framework for when I'm in conscious mind, again, when I'm in waking state, how can I use affirmations, mindfulness, and active styles of meditation in order to redirect my thought patterns in a very uh, device, decisive way. Whereas during my meditation itself, the Vedic meditation, I'm resting I'm giving my body the opportunity to heal and to really slow down and organize itself. How many different mantras are there in the Vedic tradition? Um, there's a set of mantras. They're not, uh, we're not making them up. There's an algorithm to who gets what mantra. Uh, and there's ways to level up. So I'm not sure the exact number of them, but I say there's about as many as letters in the alphabet, something along those lines. Very cool. Very cool. I was also 
Uh, I studied transcendental meditation for a while, and I know they also are a mantra-based meditation practice, and they really only have a handful. Their their practice is for every uh, blood type, there's a mantra. So there's very few. I know transcendental as far as theory goes, but I've never taken any of their classes. So I, I don't know what their, um, I haven't known until now, I guess, what their algorithm is for giving mantras. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very different. interesting practice. Um, Bob Roth was one of the educators at Columbia where I got my master's and he invited me into uh, the training for TM. And it's, it means something to me because I visited Maharishi Manish's ashram in North India, um, in Rishikesh, which was magical there. It was so, it was during Diwali. I was working in the slums of Mumbai and we got two weeks off from teaching to go, um, to do whatever. And I obviously use that time to live in different ashrams in the North of India. And I'll never forget when I was at Maharishi Manish's ashram, it's closed now. And there's all these, uh, swamis just sitting around giving tours for free. And this beautiful swami dressed in orange walked me around to all the different, uh, meeting halls. He took me to the dining hall, the music hall, like some of the rooms. And he turns to me and says, can you help me out? Like in broken English, can you help me out? I think there's a bug in my eye. And there was this little fly, like a super small fly in his eyelashes. And he wanted me to take it out without killing the bug. And it was just such a intense moment for like one second. Um, and then he proceeded to take me into the Beatles, where the Beatles stayed in that ashram. And it's uh, really beautiful, just like covered in incredible art. It, it is. Um, actually, they when I was there, going on three years ago now, um, they had reopened it, the Parks District of India, to a certain extent, and cleaned it up. And like the art is all still there, but you can actually walk around without it being like as overgrown as I heard it was um, prior to that. Um, cause my, one of my teachers along the way actually studied there with the Maharishi for a time. And so he gave us stories like, this was my cabin. <laughs> you could call them cabin. Amazing. We were like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> yes. It's great. I agree. I agree. Um, and I will bringing a, I will be bringing a retreat there in January, 2020. So anyone listening, if you want to check this out, definitely reach out. And Kelsey, I was super excited to talk to you today specifically about your incredible practices on manifestation. I would love you to start by saying how you even created this incredible manifestation program. Um, you know, I uh, have studied manifestation quite a bit. One of my favorite authors on this topic is Jen Mazur, who is Manifesting Made Easy. And... Uh, <clears throat> And it's really, though, until you start putting it into practice, it's kind of, I don't know. I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, what is this, like, hooey-dooey magic thing, right? And then you start trying it a little bit here, a little bit there, and you go, oh, this is this actually works. And through that process, um, I actually somehow, like, being half unemployed at the time, manifesting all of the money I needed to go on this crazy trip to Nepal, and um, doing a hike up to Everest Base Camp. And while I was on that hike, I started relating back the ideas of manifestation to what I was learning on the trail. 
And so that's kind of where that all came from in that perspective on, on manifestation. Cause I think as you begin to study it, like, yes, it's, it's this really cool putting my order in with the universe kind of thing, but it can also be a little frustrating because if you're trying to be on a t- timeline that nature isn't like corresponding with exactly, then it can get a little like, Oh, well this doesn't work. And like, I get frustrated and I let it go. So I think it's, it's like planning is very important, but plans are useless, right? I'm going to plan, I'm going to put my energy out there, but I need to be open to any sort of redirects that nature throws my way as I go down this path. Um, so it really came about through personal practice and, and experience and study. Beautiful. So you're hiking Everest, you're walking to the peak and you're just receiving the download. Yeah. I'm, I went to Everest base camp. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a good enough trekker to get up to the top, but, uh, yeah, we did a 10 day round trip to base camp, um, which was probably the most physically challenging thing I've ever done, uh, in a lot of ways. But when you're in nature and like, there's no internet, like you can listen to music on your phone, but if you want to charge your phone, it's going to cost you, you know, some rupees <laughs> when you get to the next stopping point. And it's, it just gives you the opportunity to really like slow down in conscious state the way that I slow down during meditation. Right. But I'm conscious and able to really, um, interact with the world and just ruminate on how all of these pieces come together and be open to that creativity. Because I, I believe that humans are intrinsically creative. Our desire is to create. And that doesn't necessarily mean artistically creative. Our desire could be to create a, um, like, if we're doing code, that's creation. If we're creating a project outline, that's creation, a spreadsheet of creation. Um, same way painting or composing music is creation. And that's because the nature of nature is to be evolving. The nature of nature, therefore, is creation. So the more we are tapping into our creative nature, however that shows up for us in our consciousness, the more we're in flow with the world around us and the more evolutionary we therefore become. And in the Vedic philosophy, um, unlike Buddhism, our desires are put there in order to put us in a place where we can be the most evolutionary. So because I want something, and I'm not talking about I want to have a, you know, shot of Jack Daniels and, you know, bacon. I'm talking about those higher self desires, <laughs> those desires of like, I have a video game I want to create. Like I have this idea for a game or I have this idea for a script or um, I have this idea on how to really like take this company and make it super efficient and maximize its profits. I'm talking about those higher self ideas and desires those are coming from a place of nature directing you into where you are going to be the most evolutionary if you're willing to show up. And then we take a manifestation practice and we use that to help us along the way in order to take it from the ether, take it from this idea of floating in outer space and actually putting it into the world as something manifest. So tell us the process. What are our steps <laughs> to manifestation? Well, I think we all have that idea somewhere in our mind where it's like, oh, I want to do this thing, but I either don't have time. I don't, um, I don't know if I'm good enough. Uh, I've never done this thing before. And what if I fail? 
what if it's actually a stupid idea, but, you know, ah, but it, it's, there's something enticing about it, but people will think I'm dumb if I, if I try to do it. There's that idea that everybody has. And the first things first is we have to get our ego out of the equation, right? Our ego, and in my definition in this context, is the bundle of self-identifications that we have that um, allows us to stay in the known and therefore safe. And even if the known is not our highest good, it's safe. It's known. There's least chance of, you know, a fight or flight response because I'm in my routine. Right. And if I start to change my self-identification, change my sense of routine in any way, ego freaks out a little bit. That's why I say, um, you know, losing a ton of weight. You can maybe keep it off for a little while, but the ego is going to freak out at a certain point. We changed our identity too fast. And then you gain all that weight back, if not more. Or um, if let's, let's take coffee, for example, I think in my, in my life, (laughs) um, coffee was a big one for me. And how I learned this lesson was I was working at a restaurant in New York. I'd get there around two o'clock. I'd stop by the coffee shop. I was managing. So I was working a desk job, stop by the coffee shop, spend $3 on a Jack's coffee, put it on my desk and be like, it's too hot to drink right now. Do emails about an hour and a half, two hours later, be like, Oh yeah, my coffee, take a sip. It's cold. I throw it in the garbage. I did that habitually for probably a couple of months before I realized like the only reason I'm buying coffee, there can be anything in that glass. The ritual is I walk into the coffee shop. I chat with the girl who I went to college with who happens to work there. I order a coffee because it's my automatic order. I go to work, right? That's the ritual. Anything could be in that coffee cup. But the fact of the matter is it's coffee because I tell myself I'm a coffee drinker. That self-identification is limiting me to what I am experiencing in that moment. So first we have to get the ego out of the way and we have to begin talking to ourselves as if, right? So we take our idea and maybe just simply take the first small step is to write it down. Put it on a post-it where you can see it every day because we have to change our mindset before our body will follow suit. So let's say I want to manifest um, this podcast, right? It's like, well, maybe I'm scared. I've never done a podcast before. I listen to podcasts. I'm a big fan. But like, who am I to be out there sharing my voice? Maybe all I do is put on a post-it on my bathroom mirror that says, I'm a kick-ass podcast host. And every time I see it, I read it to myself. Because it's in the first person, I think I'm a kick-ass podcast host. Oh, and since our brain doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality, If I start telling myself, I start to change my opinion. And then I take the next smallest step. Okay, well, if I want to be a podcast host, maybe my next smallest step is to listen to the top five podcasts in the category that I would want to host my podcast on. Okay, I'm just going to listen. That's it. That's it. I make these small, tiny steps that are almost too easy to say no to, right? Because if I just sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to record, you know, 10 podcasts today, go. Then the mind freaks out. You sit there and you go, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. I just need to be 
here. Oh God. Right. And then we just, I failed and like, we never do it again. (laughs) So really it's setting the course and setting the plan and taking the smallest steps. And I think that's where coaches and teachers and mentors can really be beneficial. Even if it just starts as a friend, you're like, I'm going to tell you this crazy idea that I have. And I don't want you to give me an opinion. I'm just going to practice saying it out loud because I've been saying it to myself. I'm going to practice saying it out loud. And then if we really want to make it happen um, and need that support in those next smallest steps, having somebody to help keep you accountable. Most of us can't be accountable to ourselves. Um, but whether it's a friend or a teacher or a professional coach or an accountability buddy, really most of us can't be accountable to ourselves. We need to have somebody else out there that we can bounce the ideas off of and that, that are keeping us on track. Because manifesting is not a linear process when it comes to the bigger things. Um, so if we kind of rewind and look like what is manifesting and really define it, it's putting your order in with the universe. Like you're not going to sit down at a restaurant table and just be like, um, bring me protein and some starch and some vegetables. And then the server brings you chicken and broccoli and white potatoes. And you're like, I don't like any of these things. Right. If we're just sitting there being like, I want a new job. The universe isn't going to know how to answer that. So it's just going to bring you something that, you know, is probably around or similar to what you currently have, because that's the state of consciousness that you're willing to accept. Right. But if I go, I want a job where I'm making Twenty more thousand dollars per year, thirty more thousand dollars per year. This is the environment that I want in my office. I want it to be friendly and open and innovative. I want my manager to be open to ideas and to be excited when I come to her with project um, points. Like, and I really dive into what does this look like. Then the universe can go. Oh, well, of course. Here you go. It's much easier that way. Um, I'll never forget one of the uh, practices that I did very early on is I had a, had a job offer to teach um, in New York, and I would have had to really uproot my life to, to teach for this this week. And um, I was like, okay, my, my minimum is $3,000 for the week of teaching, and this is what that includes, right? And I said, thank you so much. It's a little outside of our budget at this time. And that was really hard for me because I was, you know, a sizable paycheck at the time. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just have to figure out how to make it another way. Turn around. Two days later, I booked one client for that same amount of money. So by claiming the space of $3,000, even though that was scary for me, I opened up the opportunity for the universe to turn around and be like, oh, here you go. I'm going to give it to you in a more graceful way. It doesn't interrupt your life. Um but you just had to tell me that's what you wanted. (laughs) So in this way, it's about the journey, not the destination. What did I learn in that process of manifesting is, Oh, it's out there for me, but I have to ask for it and I have to claim it. And I have to step into that empowerment around it first. Um, this is not about the number. It's not about the money. It's about, Oh, this is, this is, what my time is worth. This is what my attention is worth. And this is how I'm stepping up and stepping forward 
into a new experience of that. So when we manifest, even if it is that nonlinear thing or something comes out of left field, it's more about this is my order and I'm willing to wait for it. Um, that answer your question? Yes, that's so beautiful. That's amazing. I'm a huge believer in law of attraction and manifestation. Um, I love how you put it because when I speak about it in ceremony or with clients or on retreats, I always just say, and obviously you touched on this, but sit in the feeling as if it's already happening. So over the course of my life, I was really, truly manifesting dream clients, clients that would pay me what I feel my work deserves, clients that would be really inspiring to work with and desperately need something that I offer. I was also manifesting, I mean, I'll never forget this. I was manifesting getting into Columbia. That was something I would sit in the feeling of receiving that acceptance letter for about six months. And of course, during these six months, I was in Israel and India. So it was like really intense manifestation and meditation. And then of all the highest, like most clear orders I've ever put in, I really manifested my romantic partner. I would sit in the feeling every day of what does it feel like to wake up next to this person? What does it feel like to receive a text message from them? What does it feel like to be in the car and near them and to be with his family? And that was like a tall order I put in and the response was out of this world, like reconfirms my belief in the universe and the energy out there. So for anyone listening, if you are interested in manifestation, sit in the feeling of you listening to this podcast and maybe you're on your way to your dream job. You are commuting and listening to this podcast, or maybe you're listening to this podcast with some of your new spiritual running buddy friends, some a group of people that you were always looking to attract. Or maybe you're listening to this podcast sitting next to your romantic partner, a true soulmate love that you manifested. So may this, may this manifestation process really serve you. I think it's incredible, immensely healing. Just be really clear. Ask for exactly what you want. And I love how you put it too, because sitting in the feeling is getting that ego on board, right? It opens up the possibility and it's like, oh, it's not scary. Again, our mind doesn't know the difference between pretend and reality. And oftentimes the pretend that we do is worry pretend. It's negative pretend. But when you're sitting in the feeling of something that you want to attract, that you want to create, suddenly, like even just talking about it right now, like I can feel it opening in my in my heart. I feel my energy uplifting and I feel it going out into the world in a completely different way. And that's just simply because I'm allowing myself to be open to it, which can be kind of a little scary at first, but that's why we start with small things like manifesting, I think you know, we, we tend to think of immediately as like the new job, the new house, the new partner, the, this, that, or the other thing, but like start small manifest getting through your presentation at work today with like to the point so well that your boss comes up to you and is like, you absolutely rocked that great job manifest that or manifest having an interaction with a family, a family uh, member or a coworker that you don't always get along with going so smoothly that you both leave the conversation uplifted and empowered rather than um, feeling negative feelings towards each other. Like start there and just give yourself the opportunity to feel it on the small, um, on the small scale so that as you get into these bigger scale life changing projects, um, you trust it. 
already. So what are some things you are manifesting right now? Well, um, right now, I am really 100% focused on manifesting my studio in 2019. So um, this is a project that's been like on the plate, off the plate, on the plate, off the plate. And now uh, this year, I believe, is, is the year. So that's my like, that's my big manifestation project for um, for the next like six to eight months. And on the smaller scale, I've broken that down into visibility, client growth, um, workshops and all of that. So there's smaller manifestations along the way to this bigger, uh, manifestation. So that's what I mean by breaking it down into smaller pieces. Like I'm not going to just like walk into a building and sign a lease tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to like ramp up over the next six to eight months in a couple of different courts manifesting a couple of different smaller scale things like sold out workshops at this place, this place, and this place, guest speaking engagements here, here, and here. So that when I get to manifesting the space itself, all of the foundation is there to launch off from. And that that becomes an easier thing to manifest because of all the smaller things that I've manifested in the um, process to getting there. So that's my big one for right now, as far as a professional one goes. And then um, artistically, my um, writing partner and I are working on getting our demo out, some original music. So that's like my personal pet project of absolute love and devotion. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. And I will hold that manifestation for you as well. Sitting in the feeling of listening to your music, sitting in the feeling of being in your studio and having important conversations like this. I am currently manifesting really a lot of things just because I know it works quickly and it works in a big way. And I just closed my nine month soul immersion and I manifested 10 full signups and I got 11, which was really exciting. I'm manifesting sold out retreats for Tulum, Mexico in May, which is already half full. Um, Israel, September, 2019, Israel, January 2020, I am manifesting some like deep soul clients who really want to dive deep, dive super deep. I want to create something beautiful for themselves and the world around them. I'm manifesting a book deal. I'm manifesting sponsors for this podcast. I'm manifesting Forbes 30 under 30. Like, hey, why not? Like sitting in that feeling, calling it all in. And I truly believe that Manifestation works in a way where if it is of highest good for yourself, then it's also of highest good for the world around you. So may you create it. May you step into it. Um, don't be afraid to ask too big. I think even in the past, I thought I was asking for really extravagant things. And then I realized it's digestible. Like You can do it. You want it for a reason. It's from truth and authenticity. And may it be your right to share. May you share. That's your greatest work. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think um, that's where I, when I found Vedic philosophy and Vedic meditation, I was like, ah, it resonates because our desires are put there for our highest good and therefore the highest good of the world around us. They wouldn't, you wouldn't have them. You wouldn't have that idea if it wasn't meant to bring you forward in some way. Um, and you know, there's the collective consciousness that is around us all the time, just waiting for people to raise their hands and be like, give me something, give me something. 
like I love um, how Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this um, in Big Magic, where she like was writing this book on and off, and it kept getting pushed, and then she met another writer, um, and they gave me, um, they like kissed on the cheek or something, and then um, when they first met, and then a year later they see each other again, and this other writer is like, oh, I'm writing this book, and it's so similar to the book that she had decided to shell. She's like, I believe the idea passed from me to this other person because they had the capacity to bring it into manifestation at that time. So the ideas are endless. It's just who's willing to step up to the plate and say, this is the idea that's for me. Let me take it into fruition. So I love that. Exactly. And if you have an idea and you want to share and you're not pursuing it, someone will pick it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that moment in that book as well. Yeah. I've, all good things pass through a kiss. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Kelsey, thank you so much. This was... Thank you. It's so important. I mean, it's a common conversation in spiritual practice and personal development, and there needs to be good format to really sit and understand. Yeah. And to know that you're not alone out there. Like, I think a lot of the times we can feel a little bit in our own bubble when we're on these um, self-development journeys because we're the only ones living in our own consciousness. We're the only ones who knows what we're thinking. We're the only ones that truly know where we're at. And um, we can find mentors and leaders along the way that we can be inspired by. But not often do we get to actually have a real conversation about um, like-minded between like-minded individuals in a way that that's just like, Oh my God, I'm not alone here. I'm not the only person <laughs> doing the thing. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. You are not alone. May you show up. May this be your time to shine. Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your practices on manifestation. If you resonated with this podcast, please leave a comment and subscribe. I am learning every day on how magic really lies in your reviews. So please give us a nice, kind rating, write a review, let us know what you think. And if you would like to connect with Kelsey, you can find her on Instagram at Cam Meditation, K-A-M Meditation. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy your day.